Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman. I'm joined, as always, by Carol Petz. Hello. And Owen Hughes. Hello. As we take a look at the last seven days or so in film. Um, Owen won the quiz last week. Uh, and And made us watch Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicle <laughs> Double Impact. Um, what do we think of that then, Carol? Well, I, I quite liked it actually. I, I did watch it in about four parts during my commute uh, to and from work over the last couple of days. Uh, I enjoyed the, the last twenty minutes. I finished off this morning. I enjoyed it, and so did the guy sitting next to me on the tube. <laughs> uh, he, he was he was getting well into it. Uh, yeah, just like re- it was so stupid though, wasn't it? Let's let's be honest. So, and it's oh yeah, um, it's not the brainiest of action. I did give you the option, of course, of you could watch <laughs> the more serious uh, and dramatic Secret Sunshine, a Korean film about a woman who's lost her husband and then her son goes missing, or yeah, but yeah. the goofy fun. <laughs> Uh, two Van Dams for the price of one double impact and quite frankly that's better value isn't it it's a bargain well yes absolutely I think the special effects when they sit down next to each other which they're only about two <laughs> in the entire film yeah. I think that's what the producers of Legend the new film about the Cray Twins where Tom Hardy plays both Cray Twins I think they're going to be looking at, at <laughs> that as their inspiration yes. for for the special effects for this film definitely mm. <laughs> but no, it was just, it was just really stupid fun. I didn't really understand why everyone. I don't understand who makes money out of a tunnel, uh, unless you pay to go through it. Uh, but, I didn't but, really understand that but, at all. But we never really kind of saw the tunnel up in full em- implementation, really. So maybe we? you do. Maybe it's like May- the Dartford tunnel. The, the, the toll booth <laughs> is the last thing you're putting up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, if maybe, you're building yeah. a tunnel, the toll booth is the last thing you do. So we don't know if it's a toll tunnel or not. It um, might be. It might have been like the Dartford Tunnel where they were like, yeah, we're going to um, make you pay to go through it until we've paid for it. And then once it's paid off, they're like, fuck you, we're going <laughs> to still keep taking the money off you. Maintenance. You've got a <laughs> tunnel, tunnel cost to maintain because there's all a lot. If it's a tunnel, there's probably something on top of it. You need to maintain that or else it could collapse a tunnel. It could be a service like, station in the tunnel. Just a just, little stop off. Waterproof sheeting, man. Yeah, I've, I've, I've stayed at Glastonbury. I know what it takes to waterproof a tent. Surely a tunnel can't be that much. The tunnel's got something on top of it, weight-wise. <laughs> so like, does a tunnel. Or else it's a bridge. <laughs> right. Yes. But anyway, <laughs> the film <laughs> sort of logistics of building tunnels and the economic <laughs> benefits aside, we didn't see enough of that side of it. If I'm honest. <laughs> And that's probably why I didn't enjoy it that much. It lacked depth. I'll admit it lacked depth. That's what I didn't see enough of the logistics. (laughs) 
behind. I want to see how they're making money out of that tunnel. Otherwise, I'm not buying it. I I want to see the books. <laughs> <laughs> Who are the stakeholders? Come on, Jesus! <laughs> At the very least. Hmm. Yes, my my favorite. I think my favorite line in the whole in the whole film was, "I don't need you, and I don't need that tunnel." Just oh, yeah. <laughs> really delivered with. Like, just about that much panache and dramatic intensity as I've just given it there by Jean-Claude Van Damme. Bless him. It's, I just got bored. I like action oh. films, but I don't like the, like, the kind of stupid ones where they just seem to be coining it in. There doesn't seem to be any kind of effort from anyone to do anything. I mean, alright, yeah, there was some good fight scenes, but it was just really a bit boring and uh, forgettable. And- very disappointed to hear that. It's a big surprise. Huge it's probably surprise. about 20 minutes too long to be perfect. Again, nice. I've, I've not really seen many Van Damme films. So I'm not kind of a fan of his in the same way that Owen is. Oh, well. Or at all, for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, did it not even make you chuckle a bit when you realised that the, um, the, like, not the evil Van Damme twin, but the one it was brought up in Hong Kong? Do you not, did it not make you chuckle a little bit when you realised he looked exactly like Auntie Carol? <laughs> did he? Yeah, like every time he was on screen, he's got the slick back hair. He hasn't got the paint. If he had the paint, he'd totally like Andy Carroll. You need to watch it again, I think. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can't see the Andy Carroll likeness myself. No. For those of you who there. listen to this who who don't like football, Andy Carroll is a tall gentleman from Newcastle who plays football um, when he's not injured. Um, so not about the best work in the Although he does him. drink a lot, so there's, there are similarities between him and <laughs> is it Alex or Chad? I forget which one's the, the bad twin. I can't remember. I only finished and, watching Andy, this I've seen some pictures of him drunk. Andy Carroll could out out drink this Van Damme character. <laughs> you reckon? <laughs> yeah. If if they were sticking to pints only, yeah, he could drink more pints than, than Van Damme's character in this film. Debatable who could boost cars better, though I suppose. <laughs> but anyway, he Andy Carroll did play for Liverpool, so he has spent time in that city. Um, anyway, Owen, yeah. uh, next, <laughs> next next round of the quiz. See see um, if Mill Carroll will win this time and get to pick the film that people have to watch. Yeah. Uh, so so crack on with your clues. Crack on with the clues. Okay, I'm not going to go in a particular order, so um, you'll just have to. Bear with me, I guess. Um, in 2003, uh, they were in Love Actually. Steve. Carol. Oh, Carol was in there first. Colin Firth. Was. It's what? It's Colin Firth. It's not Colin Firth. Ah. Oh, Steve. Yeah. I was convinced. Bill Nye. It's not Bill Nye. No. Can we, uh, do you have to do the next clue or can we just keep guessing everyone who was in Love Actually? <laughs> one, Be here all podcast. Yeah, exactly. I think one's, okay. Right, one one guess per clue. Yes. Right. Okay. Two thousand five, they were in the Chronicles of Narnia: The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Steve. Yeah. Steve. Yeah. I think Liam Neeson did the voice of Aslan, so I'm saying Liam Neeson. It's Liam Neeson. <gasps> oh yes. No. <laughs> one nil, Steve. I'm really. Can, when do I get to be the quizmaster? When you win, Carol. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. When yeah. you win. Good guessing, Steve. All you can do now on your commute, don't watch John Claude Van Damme films on your commute. Just get up Look the at IMDb. Of every, just start going actors alphabetically and just start reading through their filmography and you learn 
and then you might <laughs> win and or just look at IMDb homepage and look at what films are out this week and who's in them. That was basically, basically what I ended up doing. Yes, because yeah, <laughs> I thought I was onto a winner with Colin Firth. To be honest, that wasn't a bad shout. Yeah, I will avoid <laughs> this method next week. We will have something <laughs> a bit more challenging. I might just start every week now with Love Actually, <laughs> <laughs> and just filter out everyone who was in it. Yeah. It was quite... Uh, a, yeah, anyway, carry on. Forget it. Yes, yes. <laughs> news time now. Bit of a thin week uh, for movie news. No one died, which was which was nice in a way, but... Uh, uh, I'm sure some a, people died. A, a bit of a bummer for us because we didn't manage to uh, have any news, really. Dead, uh, dead people... Dead people have been giving us a lot of news <laughs> lately. Uh, it's been really help padding this section out, but... Uh, yeah. Well, there's only we a couple that, of bits of news. Um, yeah. Yeah, we have found a couple of bits. Um, Brian Singer's returning to the X-Men franchise to direct the next instalment, Apocalypse. Yes! He's <laughs> basically done the, t- the, the, the good X-Men film. Well, uh, that's, that's pretty much, yeah, and yeah. first class he produced, so yeah. he's had a hand in all the good ones and yeah. helped to raise the shit ones, so yeah. thanks for that, Brian. And we're going to see recast versions of Cyclops, uh, Storm and, and Jean Grey. It's going to be interesting. Why, why are they like younger ones? Cause it, or, yeah, younger yeah. ones because it's all set in the eighties. Uh, be interesting okay. to see who they get for Jean Grey. Mm. Uh, mm. I don't really have any suggestions. Um, no. <laughs> Cyclops, someone who's not a dick. I didn't like the guy who played I, him. I like James Marsden. He's been really good in in almost everything else I've seen him in. Maybe <laughs> so he's a manager on the side. Maybe it's, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's because I thought the character was a bit of a dick. Yeah, he wasn't, he didn't get a lot of screen time, I don't think, especially considering where he was in the books at that point. But in the books now, he is a massive dick. So, it'd be perfectly justifiable to make him a dick in, and, in and the And whoever's now. playing Storm has got to be better than Halle Berry. Yeah, you can't really get much worse than that, frankly, so. No. no. You can, you could just hope. recast her as a, kind of. <laughs> as a, 15 year old storm. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, no. No, I, d- I don't really know. I think there have been a few people that have been banded about. I saw Kerry Washington being mentioned, but I, I think she's probably a bit too old now. Um, but yeah, I look forward to it. I, I really hope they're just going to go with some unknowns, to be honest. I quite like, because you know, you've got the established, mm. the established stars in there now. Uh, you, you're still going to have James McElvoy and Fassbender, you're still going to have Hugh Jackman. Um, so you know, just get, Get some people that aren't so well known in, um, well, based pretty much with the exception of Halle Berry, like like you did the first time, and uh, and Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, obviously, and uh, you know, see see how that works out. And the other bit of news uh, was some casting for series two of True Detective has been announced, and Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn will be starring in it. Um, not kind of exciting as Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey for the first series. I must say, really, it's not kind of grabbing me as much as that casting news did. Yeah, um, but I don't think Vince Vaughn's meant to be in it in the same way as, like, um, you know, they were McConaughey and Harrelson were um, partners, weren't they? I don't but know the, how this, much Vaughn's meant to be. Well, I think he's a fairly central character because what it seems from what I've read, it's around three cops and a, a criminal or, or crime lord or something. And Vince Vaughn is the criminal character. Mm. Colin Farrell's one of the cops, and then there's two more. 
cops or detectives or whatever they are. Um, but I've not seen him in many, like, non-comedy roles. So it's a bit of a, no, it's, it's a very, un, it's a very unknown quantity. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, as I said in Week in Film, read the website, uh, that he's the only non-comedy I can think of him is Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> Hardly a standing record. Which is yeah. really kind of cutting your acting chops. No. So oh, what about Psycho? I don't think that was meant to be a comedy. No, but I've not seen that. But I've heard he was okay, isn't he? Yeah, he's not, he's not the biggest problem in it, to be perfectly no, honest. I can imagine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really like him, to be honest. I haven't seen him in anything that I've liked him in. Or even hardly any films that he's been in that I've actually liked, so. You don't like old school? Mm, not my, not one of my favourites, no. You don't like Dodgeball? Not one of my favourites either, I'm afraid. I quite I like, like him in Dodgeball. I like Zoolander, but he's barely in that. He just yeah. has a cameo as Ben Stiller's brother, I think. Yeah. But, um, no, I don't really like him. I can't, can't think of anything that I've seen him in and thought, oh, he's brilliant. He would make a very good villain for a very serious HBO crime detective series. <laughs> well, no, I've never seen him in anything that made me think that, I must admit. But I have seen him in some films that I have liked him in. Hmm. Um, Colin Farrell, though, is, is an interesting one. He, he can be very good. He has been in a lot of guff, but he can be good. I think he's picking his projects more carefully these days by the looks of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which can only be a good thing. But yes. he, is, he, is a, he is a good actor, though. I mean, of the two of them, he's the one who's probably got more of a chance of carrying the series. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think the last film I actually saw him in, because I refused to watch the re- remake of Total Recall, <laughs> uh, was Seven Psychopaths, which I really, I really liked him in that. I thought he was really good. I quite enjoyed that film. That's a, a film whole. that I still can't make my mind up whether I liked or not. I think I need to watch it again, really. I was going to say, have you actually watched it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't, I think, I can't yeah, make my mind up if I liked it or not. I'm sort of on the fence with splinters mm. in my ass. Um, <laughs> I need some kind of, yeah, I think another watch will, will tip me one way or the other. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, uh, there's more casting to be announced for that soon, but, I, don't, I just don't think it's going to live up to the first series, which I enjoyed a lot. I liked it. I did think it was a little bit overrated, though. I think both McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, lots of plaudits for their performance, but they were both pretty much overacting through the whole thing. I didn't really make much of their performance. Not as much as other people seem to have. I just thought they were both a bit overdoing it. I mean, basically, the whole thing with Woody Harrelson's character was he was in it to shag a different person every week. That was it, really. Um, and McConaughey was pretty much emo through the whole thing, too. So, mm, it was good, but a little bit overrated. Uh, it's TV from the last year, so I haven't seen it, I'm afraid. Uh. <laughs> I give it about three years and I'll, I'll catch up, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's all for part one then. And in part two, it is, as always, what we've been watching. Uh, what we've been watching then, when we take a look at what we've seen in the last week that isn't necessarily a new release. Uh, Owen, why don't you start us off and tell us about what you have watched. Okie dokie. Um, well, actually, it was kind of the week before last, but I watched it this week. 
Uh, it's a new series of Storyville, which has started on BBC4. Um, the series where they get lots of different documentaries from all over the world and they show them as part of a TV series, but they're actual theatrically released documentaries. Um, but the one I watched, the first one of this new series is, uh, it's called Web Junkies. Um, essentially it's the story of this, in, in China, the Chinese government have set up these, um, rehab centers. They've essentially classed internet addiction as a clinical disorder. They see it as an actual disease that needs to be treated. So lots of these adolescent kids, they get um, shoved into this, this treatment centre. The parents abandon them there for a little while, and they are treated uh, with, you know, inverted commas around that. It is quite gruelling to watch at times. Some of it is... Um, a bit challenging, a bit difficult. However, I thought it was a really good documentary. It doesn't, it doesn't really pry too deeply into these these people. It doesn't goad them into into saying anything. But it's more like a fly on the wall type documentary. It's quite insightful as well. Um, but yeah, it basically follows th- these three Chinese kids. Um, one in particular is, is quite an interesting fellow who's called Hope. So he, he has the most dramatic story of them all, I suppose, in that. Um, when he's there, he gets put into isolation for a few days. So, you know, if you think this is meant to be like a treatment centre and they put these kids into isolation chambers, that's whether you see that as treatment or not, I don't know. But also, it shows you the, the side of it from from the parents who are sort of saying, well, these ki- they're kids literally just refusing to eat, refusing to sleep, so they can sit at their computers and play World of Warcraft. And they don't want the characters to die, or they don't want to just pause it or anything. They just keep playing and playing. And even the kids themselves start bragging about how many days straight they played the game for. So they have a little boasting session between them, where one of them says, "Oh, I played it for for fourteen days," and the other one says, "Oh, I just played it the whole summer off school. Just sat and played the the game for the whole of the summer." And you just think, Christ, maybe maybe there is something in this about it being addictive. Um, I've been like that with Football Manager before. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you need to check yourself into this Beijing rehab facility. I don't uh, know, because I see it as an achievement when you take you know, Weymouth to the Champions League in, in ten years. It, it's, I feel like I've got something out of it. What am I going to get, you know, what am I going to get from playing outside with friends and real people that I couldn't have got from doing that with Football Manager? Well, that's quite a complex question that we probably don't have time to answer <laughs> on this podcast. Um, but the documentary You know, you know does... how much I dislike real people. I don't like interacting <laughs> yeah. with them. Yeah. I, I, this, touching on a point that they go into on the documentary as well, which is about um, the kids and well, what what is technically a social interaction uh, and why are they seeking social interactions through a virtual reality? Why don't they just go and make friends? What is it about these... These these people who basically play as ogres, they play as I don't know. I've never played World of Warcraft, but you know that kind of thing. Why is that more of a tangible relationship for them? So there is some depth to it, um, and it is fascinating. And it doesn't really play up too much on the fact that um, you know the kids oh they're a bit weird, aren't they? It doesn't really do that. It just it tr- just tries to show you who they are and why they do the things they do, which is quite good. Um, but there is one point that made me laugh in the film. I don't think it's really spoiling it to say, but at one point, some of the kids break out of this facility 
because kind they are kind of incarcerated there you know they're they're meant to be under the watch of these uh very dubious psychologists um but they break out and the first thing they do is go to a cyber cafe uh so obviously they're caught within hours of their supposed breakout which i think is brilliant because if you're going to break out of somewhere for being addicted to the internet going to a cyber cafe probably the most stupid place you could go to but um maybe they just got really nice muffins <laughs> yeah, they went for the Americanos. Um, yeah. Mm. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a very good documentary. I'm looking forward to watching the rest of them as well. Um, so yeah, Storyville, BBC4, check it out if you, if you're interested in documentaries at all. They usually show, show some great ones. I watched Blackfish on there last year. That was, that was worth a watch and very moving, um, and affecting. So yeah, they usually show some good ones on Storyville. I think they've also, what else? The, the great hip hop hoax was on there. The, yes, that's um, right. Yeah. A there's a football one about an African team. Um, yeah, Coach Zoran and his African Tigers. Yeah, or something. yeah, and there was another one I watched on there. I can't remember the name of it, but it was really good. Citizen Naiwayway was pretty good about um, the artists. Yeah, um, but Storyville does yeah usually have a lot of really good, interesting mm. documentaries. Um, they do. Anyway, uh, I have watched a. A uh, couple of things this week. First one was Pain and Gain, Michael Bay film starring Marky Mark Wahlberg and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, it was okay. Can't really <laughs> say much more about that. Kind of comedy action, um, based on a true story of some some gym uh, instructors or, or yeah. basically meatheads who try to extort money and wealth out of a wealthy client uh, of the gym. Um, didn't feel as much chemistry between the cast members. It you didn't, of, it, or you did? I didn't. It kind uh, of seemed like they all turned up like separately to do that, even though they obviously didn't because they were there to get. Mm. It felt like they all kind of turned up separately to record their lines, and then were all like edited together. It didn't seem like they were like it was flowing that well. But there were some funny bits. There, the, the Rock was probably the, the best character in the in the film. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it 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 didn't it didn't feel quite right. Just felt like there was something off, um, and it wasn't necessary to do with Michael Bay. It just felt, <laughs> it, it just felt it just felt a little bit not quite right. Uh, not necessarily bad. I mean, it was okay. I, I watched it to the end. I enjoyed it to an extent, but it's not exactly something I'm going to be rushing to watch a second time. But there is one thing I would recommend everyone watched and that is Marvelous which was on BBC 2 just before recording and it told the story of a guy called Neil Baldwin uh, and it was starring Toby Jones as Neil Baldwin Neil Baldwin was or is because he's still alive a a man who suffers from some kind of learning difficulty although it's never kind of made you know, definite in the film what he's got, um, and any kind of article I've read on him doesn't kind of clarify what his actual learning difficulty is. It's just, um, but he he leads an interesting life. He does, uh, you know, he, he becomes Stoke. He's a big Stoke City fan. Becomes their kit man when Lou Macari is manager, and that's kind of the time, um, the era that the film's set in. Uh, he's also a, a circus clown. Works at Keele University, helping students. Um, and is generally liked by everybody. It's kind of like 
um, a slightly more realistic and less mawkish Forrest Gump. Which is kind of, that, that's, that's trying to pay credit to this as well. It is really good. And I would encourage everyone to watch it. It, it starts off where, uh, he's going to see his mum, who he actually kind of lives with, but he's moving out, but he's been, he's been away with the circus. Uh, and he goes to the nearest church to ask for a lift from Scotland to Stoke. Uh, and the priest who helps him, he gets the Bible, he, he says, oh, before you go, can you just sign something for me? And gets the Bible out, and the priest's kind of looking at him, going, why do you want me to sign the Bible? He goes to sign the front page, and he goes, no, 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 that's, that's bishops and archbishops at the front, just general clergy sign the back, please. <laughs> <laughs> and there's quite a lot of funny bits like that in it. I mean, he's, he's kit, he's kit man for Stoke City, and one of the players has given him a hard time, and his players bought us, this is set in kind of the 80s. So he, he's, the, the player bought a, a 60 pound pair of silk boxer shorts, uh, and he's giving Neil a really hard time. So at the end of, of training, they, he comes back in and Neil is wearing every single player's <laughs> pair of underwear <laughs> just to kind of get back at them. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's quite interestingly shot as well because obviously it's telling the, it, it's mostly like I say focused on the time where he is Stokes kit man where he has done another interesting job but it's also looking at his, his relationship with his mum who because he's got learning difficulties kind of looked after him his whole life he, he is he is independent to an extent and he can look after himself to an extent um, but his mum's declining in health and ends up moving into a home during the film um, <clears throat> and kind of you know her trying to make sure that he can get by by himself and he moves into a flat which happens to be about two doors down from his mum um, before she moves into the home. Uh, Toby Jones, who I've not seen in a great deal, is absolutely fantastic in this. I think I've only really seen him in small parts. I don't mm. think I've ever seen him kind of lead anything. Obviously he's been uh, Arnim Zola in the in the Captain America films and he was really good in a Doctor Who episode where he kind of played a, a deep bad evil part of the doctor's, oh, yeah. the doctor's psyche. Uh, really that's a dream. That. Yeah. But like, I've not, I, and I've heard you guys and James especially, um, credit him with Barbarian Sound Studio, although I've not seen mm. that. So I've not really seen him kind of star in anything or be the central character or anything, but he was excellent in this. Um, also during the film, it kind of cuts to, cuts to, Bits, you know, it cuts back to bits with either Toby Jones talking to the real Neil Baldwin or Lou Macari, the Stokes manager who used to play for Man United Celtic. Cuts back to him talking to Neil Baldwin because they are friends and that and just saying... There, there was one bit where he comes on to play for Stoke in a testimonial uh, and in the film you see him... He's, he's, a, he's a really short guy, odd-looking, definitely not a footballer, both Neil Baldwin and Toby Jones. And you see him leap up and score this fantastic header and it cuts to Toby Jones sat on the bench, uh, subs bench you know, at the actual stadium with Neil Baldwin, it did actually happen like that and it just went, no, <laughs> definitely <laughs> not uh, but yeah, it, it's funny it, it's uplifting, it's got a few uh, dusty eye moments, it's probably going to be on iPlayer now for, for a fair while um, because it's on BBC 2 tonight and it's definitely something that I'd encourage everyone to watch Sounds good. Uh, Carol, what have you seen? 
Uh, I'm actually seeing quite a lot this week, but I'm going to talk about one film uh, that I went to see last night as uh, BFI Southbank as part of their Screen Epiphany season, which was uh, very lovely Steve Pemberton from the League of Gentlemen and other lesser things uh, introduced for us the cook, the thief, his wife and her lover as uh, kind of the film that inspired him. And straight away, I don't know whether you guys are fans of the League of Gentlemen. Yes. Um, yes. You well, can... I, I've not seen it in a long time, so I don't know how it would hold up but yeah. when when it first came out with the exception of the film and possibly the last series yeah I did like it a lot I, like I the... basically it was like it was my Monty Python really because mm. I think I was about 14 when the radio show started mm. going mm. out so it was like the the thing where I was getting into that dark sense of humour and and that was around at the time so I I can imagine it was like if I'd have been a generation back how Monty Python would have been back then um, but you can immediately see the um, the inspiration that this film's had and, and apparently a lot of Peter Greenway films have on League of Gentlemen just like the, the way that certain things are done um, it's not for everyone this film is it's extremely violent, it's extremely scatological, it's extremely disturbing at, at some points. Um, the basic plot is that there's a uh, the crime boss owns a restaurant. Most of it takes place inside the restaurant and he comes in every night and dines there. He has a wife who he treats awfully and Michael Gambon in this, by the way, is just one, one of cinema's greatest monsters. It's horrifying. I've never really seen him in, in that much from from this era, from the 70s and 80s. Um, so if you only know him from being Dumbledore, you're going to be a bit <laughs> slightly horrified. And I, yeah, I struggle to think of what, I'm sure he's been in a lot of other things, but I struggle to think of what else I've seen him in apart from the Harry Potter films. Um, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely horrifying. His, his performance is amazing, but also terrifying. Um, so Helen Mirren is his wife, and she starts uh, having an affair with uh, another customer in the, in the restaurant um, who's played by Alan Howard. And it all takes place, as I said, in the restaurant or in the near vicinity. And it's just... This is going to sound really weird considering it's, it's so disgusting and scatological at times. But it's really beautifully shot. There's um, There's this amazing sequence where... Every every scene's got its different colour scheme. So the inside of the, the dining room is, is red and the, uh, the the bathroom is white and the kitchen is green, I think, and the outside is blue. And as they go through the different parts, everyone's co- uh, clothes change colour and you, you don't really notice it until about the second or third time, but it's just... It's, it's really beautifully shot. Um, it's not going to be for everyone. It's It's quite tough to get through. If you can get through the first five minutes, you'll be okay. Because there is there is a really disturbing part in the first kind of five minutes, and um, the ending's probably one of the most famous and horrifying in in British cinema. <laughs> but it's it's definitely definitely worth a look. I think if if you've got a strong stomach, essentially, don't see it if you're of a sensitive and nervous disposition. No, I haven't seen it, but I really do want to. I do. I love like Steve Pemberton, Rishi Smith, Mark Gatiss, all them lot. They're brilliant, and uh, that dark sense of humour. There's no one else who does it quite as well as them, because there's lots yeah. of other people who try. Um, ben Wheatley sort of has has done it a little bit. I mean, the field the field in England, which also stars with Shearsmith, is quite dark. Um, but it's still there's something about the League of Gentlemen that it is just it's hilarious. 
And um, even I, I mean, I love the the radio show as well. Um, yeah. That you mentioned going back to the radio show that was brilliant. I absolutely loved that. And the TV show was again really dark, but again like Steve though. I think the third series wasn't as good. But it's been so I long was... since I watched the TV. The, the film yeah. the film was whack. The film wasn't the, great. That's Wait, sick. hang on. Does whack is whack good or bad? Whack is bad. Whack is bad. All right. Yeah. I used to think whack. Did whack used to be good? No. Oh, are you sure? No, no bad. <laughs> bad used to be good. <laughs> Oh, I don't know, you kids and your lingo. Uh, I don't dope, know. I dope, thought the third dope season was, was... Dope was good at one point. Um, dope. And now dope is bad? Well, dope... No, I, I don't think it's used anymore. Okay. Uh, in, 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 a, in, a good, in a good sense, yeah. I, I thought the third season of the... Um, third series, sorry, because it is a British series. Oh, yes. let's, let's not forget this. Um, was brave. I didn't think it came off... Entirely, I think Arrested Development tried a similar thing, didn't they, in their last series? And it didn't, again, it didn't yes. quite come off. Some bits worked, some bits didn't, but I thought it was really brave of them to try it out. Um, I think I've only seen the film once and it was, it was okay. But yeah, the, the influences, like the, that whole dark comedy, uh, just comes through. Like you can just, you can utterly see where they, where they get it from in this, in mm-hmm. this film. But have either, have either of you watched League of Gentlemen again recently because it's one of those like, I don't know if it'd hold up like it, there's a lot of sitcoms I've watched again like more recently some of them hold up really actually most of them do hold up really well but League of Gentlemen's one that I don't know if it would yeah I started watching it I can't remember if it was on Gold or whether I started watching it again on Netflix a couple of years ago and yeah just hilarious yeah. <laughs> still even now absolutely brilliant My, I think my favourite character is Vet Dr. Chinnery. <laughs> Dr. <Yeah>. Chinnery. <laughs> was he very old? <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, that's all for, for what we've been watching. And up next is a, a, a mammoth edition of, of new releases where we have a whopping four to go through. So, this is the time in the podcast where we review uh, cinema's new releases uh, this week. We've got four to review this week, uh, so bear with us as we plough through all of those. Uh, James isn't here, though, so we should be able to get this section done in less than an hour <laughs> and a half. Uh, but no promises. Uh, first up, Owen has seen a film called Riot Club, and the, Owen is the first rule of Riot Club that we don't talk about Riot Club. Um, if it is, Move. I'm breaking it. I don't think they moving, have many Moving rules. on to your walk among the tombstones. <laughs> yeah. I no, thought you were going to give us some overly elaborate film titles for these. No, I've not done that much prep. Was that just a one-week only thing? Yeah. The man m- wanted by most people. Yeah, I just got back off holiday and I didn't really pay much attention to okay. what I was... I don't think I'd even... Can't even remember hearing of the film beforehand, so I was just kind of winging it. And <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but anyway, yes. Back to so prof- le- traditional levels of professionalism this week. Where I we usually get, get. The, I usually get the names of films right. Yes, the very least. To give you some credit, that's true. <laughs> yeah, to give me some credit, I usually <laughs> get the title of a film right. Exactly. Damning with faint praise. <laughs> yeah. It's a backhanded uh, compliment, I think. Yeah. Um, anyway. Right, I'll talk about the film, The Riot yes. Club. Um, it's an adap- adaptation of a play called Posh, which was written by Laura Wade, who also did the screenplay for, for The Riot Club. Uh, directed by Lon Scherfig, I think that's how you pronounce the name. 
Uh, he also did the 2009 film with Kerry Mulligan called An Education, which is also set in Oxford, but a uh, completely different sort of film. So The Riot Club uh, is fictional, although it is also an exaggerated satire of the very real uh, Bullingdon Club, which is, which is an exclusive club for posh students at the University of Oxford. Um, this film tells the story of two particular recruits, um, two fresh, uh, freshers to uh, uh, Oxford University, Sam Claflin, who was uh, pretty good in The Quiet Ones earlier in the year, uh, the, the new Hammer Horror film, um, will also probably be familiar to most people from the previous Hunger Games film, uh, and also stars Max Irons, who is Jeremy Irons' son. Um, but they're both deemed suitable candidates to join this exclusive club, and they go through uh, their very gruelling induction process, and... Um, yeah, so the bulk of the film occurs over one debauched evening's dinner. Uh, yeah, so I kind of liked The Riot Club in the same way that I like The Wolf of Wall Street, or even, you know, just because you mentioned it earlier, Pain and Gain as well, where it kind of pulls no punches in showing how horrendous these pricks can be, um, particularly its central characters, uh, although one of them was actually uh, more easy to sympathise with than the other. Let's put it that way. He, he was the nicer one, but he still is... A bit culpable for his actions, shall we say so. Yeah, but um, I mean, it, it was less committed than those films in sticking to the fact that these guys are arrogant tossers and you're not meant to like them. That's not the point. These are just the people and who they are and what they do. But, again, stressing the point that yes, it's very exaggerated and I'm pretty sure the Bullingdon Club wasn't quite as horrendous as these people, although you never know, dear, really, what goes on behind closed doors, so, yeah. But anyway, so, what seems to be putting people off the film is the fact that the, the characters are these posh toffs who you are almost intrinsically supposed to hate. You're designed to hate these people regardless of what they actually do. However, in saying that, um, that there are these irritating toffs who hate the poor, who they deem to be anyone who can't just sort of throw away three and a half thousand pounds um, on one evening celebrations. You know, that's the, kind of the point, really. Um, it kind of acknowledges them as people who you perceive in one way before it tries to add some depth to them. So it's not written in a way that you're supposed to hate them just for being rich, which is, like say, what seems to be putting a lot of people off. But rather, you, you're meant to hate them for the choices they make, um, regardless of, of their background. So you, you understand who they are and where they come from, and then it's the decisions that they're, they're making, that's what you're meant to decide how you feel about them. So it's quite good, quite a good challenging film, um, in that sense. Uh, it uses some, has some issues with cramming everything it, it's trying to say into 110 minutes. Uh, some characters just come off as a bit lightweight. But it does okay overall, I think. The acting's pretty good all round. Um, there are moments where you're supposed to feel strongly one way or the other about characters, and it works. They do it, it does it really well. You can tell it's based on a stage play, and they've, they've had a lot of thought about this. And again, lots of things occur in the film through dialogue, which is also quite good. So yeah, so I liked it. Um, the setting was fantastic too. I mean, I do live in Oxfordshire and actually work here in Oxford city centre, so I may be biased, but the setting of the film is is just magnificent. You know. Not only is the university grounds, the old university grounds that look great, but seeing all the kind of pubs and such that I also have been to and seen them on screen, and they make it look great, and it works well. Actually, this, this, this beautiful surroundings, in juxt it works well in juxtaposition with the dark uh, and ugly 
characters in the film. Um, but still, like I say, overall it's very interesting, very entertaining film. And I would just, one final point is just don't let the fact that it's about these bunch of upper class, well to do rich kids, don't let it put you off. It's a very interesting film and it gives you room to, to think about it and decide what you want about, about the film. What you take away from the film is entirely up to you. So yeah, very good film. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, Carol has seen a film called Life After Beth. Uh, tell us about that one. Yes, I've just seen this uh, this evening. It's not out until next week. So big thanks to Den of Geek for putting on the screening this evening, by the way. Um, so, yep, yeah, there's a new entry in the zombie comedy genre. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure we have that many of them, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think the last one was probably Zombieland, thinking about it, wasn't it? Which is Zom- warm, zombie comedy. Zom- yeah, zombie comedy seems to be kind of a more common thing now. I mean, they're not like all over the place, but they do happen quite often. I think part of it is just that zombie culture has infiltrated everything else now. You know, you can't look at apps on your phone without seeing something zombie in it. So there are quite a few films now which are zombie comedies. But it's it's ripe for the parodying, I it think. It is, yeah. Yeah. And, there's, so a, and there's apparently and apparently there's real zombies now. Apparently two women who got the Ebola virus in Africa come back to life, so real zombies. No, Steve, no. Is no. that why the BT <laughs> towel was red today? Because that really freaked me out. I was thinking, if there was a, ever a zombie apocalypse, like lighting up the top of BT Tower red would be an ideal <laughs> way, way of telling people. And it really weirded me out. It was red for a significant portion of today. <laughs> it was just, I was just sitting there staring out the window, getting more and more nervous. <laughs> Maybe everyone's internet was down. Maybe it was. And like, Ebola. Yeah. <laughs> Can't imagine anything worse. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So I went to see Life After Birth. Um, so, yep, yeah, it's a film, uh, with her out of Parks and Recreation in it, uh, Aubrey Plaza, but I can't remember who she plays in Parks and Recreation. What's the name of the character? Amy. Quick. I think. Amy. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, she, she's basically playing Amy in Parks and Recreation because I, I've only ever seen her do that one character, to be perfectly honest. She was good um, in, um, yeah, Safety Not Guaranteed, but, but she, she was playing the same, the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it might just be her, and she might just be really, like Jason Statham, she does one thing, but she does it really, really well. Um, but it also stars, uh, Dane DeHaan, um, who's kind of on a roll at the moment with The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and that shit Metallica documentary that no one watched. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> it starts off basically, uh, of, um, Aubrey Plaza is Beth, and she dies, uh, she's dead at the start of the film, she, she goes hiking alone and she dies from a snake bite. Um, but, uh, for some reason, uh, the boyfriend, Dane DeHaan, uh, gets close with her family, but then for some reason one day they won't let him in the house. And it transpires that she's come back, which is, yay, amazing and everything. Um, except it's not because she's kind of slowly going through zombification. Uh, she doesn't, she doesn't actually realise that she's dead. Um, it's quite fun. It's not very long. It's, it's quite a slight film. I think it's only about an hour and a half long. But despite that, it does still have a massive sag in the middle, which feels really weird because a film that short really shouldn't have, a, you know, that that much of a pacing problem with it. I don't think. But um, I mean, overall, it's it, it's pretty fun. Uh, the the end part just does take a long, long time to get there, and and when it does get there, you kind of wish they'd started doing it a bit earlier. Um, I'd, 
don't really want to give it away for, for people who want to go and see it. Um, but yeah, it, it does take a while to get there and you kind of think, I would have preferred if they'd have started this about 20 minutes ago rather than go through kind of a really unfunny bit. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's good. Uh, performances were good. Uh, Dane DeHaan was quite good actually. I was quite, quite impressed with him. Um, cause yeah, I haven't really seen him in that much. I still haven't seen Chronicle. Uh, so I think the only thing I've actually seen him in is The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which didn't do anyone any favours, frankly. And, uh, yeah, uh, John C. Riley's really good, um, as the dad, uh, of Beth. He's, uh, I didn't even know he was in it, so that was quite a, quite a fun distraction. Um, yeah, so it's good, it's just pretty slight, um, but perfectly diverting hour and a half. Uh, so overall I think would recommend. Yes, the, um, Shorky, Mike Shorky, I saw it for, um, for us and reviewed it actually on the site, uh, when he went to Frightfest. And, uh, he seemed to like it as well. I think I've got a comment here from his article on, on the website. Uh, some of the visual gags are superb and it's extremely funny. Um, yeah, it is funny in parts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there are, there were a good few belly laughs, but yeah, it's just that massive, Sag in the in the middle to the set to the two thirds of the film, which is kind of unforgivable in a film that's that short anyway. Basically, yeah. kind of gives the impression that they've run out of ideas. Uh, I didn't actually read Shorky's uh, review before I came on because I didn't want it to sort of yeah, like yeah. Refer, <laughs> refer to my own. I'll read it afterwards. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it sounds like we pretty much had the same same impression. Seems like it. Okay, uh, back to Owen now, who has seen. Liam Neeson and his uh, particular set of skills in A Walk Among the Tombstones. Yeah. Uh, I kind of both like and hate that title, actually, just to start with. It's, I don't know where... Um, I kind of like it. It reminds me of old 70s thrillers, that A Walk Among the Tombstones title. Uh, but yeah, anyway. It's kind of got that vibe of um, uh, of those sort of films as well from the 70s. It starts off like it's going to be a bit like Dirty Harry, almost like a Dirty Harry knockoff. Um, a little bit 70s cop thriller, cliche ridden kind of stuff. Um, Liam, actually Liam Neeson stars in, and this is, he's introduced as, uh, a long coat wearing, bearded, unkempt hair, whiskey drinking in the morning kind of detective in the late 90s, set in the late 90s, uh, just before the Y2K actually, when everyone's panicking about their computers about to blow up. Um, but yeah, so he, what happens is in the beginning of the film, uh, you see him shoot down a few punks in the street after they've shotgunned the owner of this establishment that he's drinking in. Uh, and then what happens next is the film jumps forward in time a little bit. And Neeson is now a clean-shaven, uh, AA meeting attending, sober, unlicensed private investigator. Um, so again, it's still kind of a bit 70s in, in that sense. Um, what happens then is also one of his fellow AA members gets him involved in a missing persons case uh, as his brother's wife has been kidnapped. And the brother, by the way, is uh, a drug trafficker who's played by Dan Stevens, who was excellent in The Guest. I saw that last week, and he was brilliant in that. It was a really good film. But, uh, yeah, going back to Walking on Tones, things get a bit silly again. The cliches continue as the white American Neeson teams up with the sassy young black kids to track down this woman, uh, which inevitably uncovers lots of similar crimes and yada 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 one thing leads to another and you've got a murder mystery story uh, that develops I sort of half expected it to be this year's prisoner 
Did you watch either of you watch Prisoner uh, last year? No, no, I still haven't watched it. I really need to get around to. I need to see whether it's on Netflix. Okay, yeah, it's a really good thriller from last year, and I won't I won't talk too much about it in that case. But it is kind of, that reminded me of um, Zodiac, you know, David that David Fincher style film. This is not like that at all. That's kind of what I expected it to be. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's more of a straight up crime thriller. Uh, it also seems to have annoyed a lot of people for differing from what you normally expect from Liam Neeson these days. Um, there's hardly any gun-toting action in it at all compared to, say, you know, Taken or Unknown, uh, or even Non-Stop from, from earlier which is, this Which is strange because the trailer gears it up to be that, doesn't it? It does. I think it's marketing itself on the basis that it's Liam Neeson, and so this is what people are going to expect. And then it doesn't deliver that. Instead, it's more of a procedural um, type story. Um, it's both actually the procedural story is quite a good thing, as you see a bit more acting than is customary with this. Not to you know complain about Neeson. I enjoy his action fillers as much as the next person. However, they don't require a great deal of sophistication from him. Whereas this it. It sort of requires that a little bit more, um, but as well as as well as having that, it's, it's also um, had a bit more thought put into the plot. So, which is also a bad thing because the plot isn't actually that complex in reality. So, a lot of the flaws do get shown up, particularly in the way that the mystery is is solved. In a way, it's it all seems a little bit convenient, um, but other than that, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is, basically. And I did enjoy it. I'm sure there are others who are hoping for a crime thriller that's a bit less Statham and a bit more Eastwood, who will probably be pleased with it, just as I was. Um, it's definitely worth a watch. It also, it looks very cinematic. It's a, a proper cinematic thriller, in the sense that everything's sort of quite widescreen. And, and that's that's also a positive, I think. Um, and it's probably the only reason that it's worth seeing in the cinema, rather than waiting for it to appear on, you know, TV or... Or Netflix, or or, or or renting it on DVD. Um, oh yeah, and the, the final thing I'll, I'll say about it is, is check out Callum's review. It's on the website, um, which is a bit more articulate than the shit that I'm coming out with at the moment. So, and also, yeah, I mean, it, it, we both again, like we had similar opinions on the Most Wanted Man. Um, seem to have similar opinions on this. It's good. I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than him, but also he comes up with some good points about why it might not be worth watching. So probably worth. Having a read of that at some point as well. Okay, and then back to Carol once more, who has seen uh, Magic in the Moonlight. Um, just round that one up quickly for us. Yes, absolute bonanza for me this week. Um, so yeah, you Magic sound in... you sound excited by it. All. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to pick something. Uh, so Magic in the Moonlight is the new uh, Woody Allen film, um, which stars Colin Firth and and Gwen Stacy off of Spider Man. Uh, yeah, sorry, Steve, I didn't think that one from you. <laughs> um, and it's about a, um, a, a, a magician who debunks uh, spiritualists on the side, and he's asked to go and uh, look into this young medium uh, who's conning loads of people out of money in, in France. Um, 
actually, I, I quite, I like some of Woody Allen's films recently. I really like Midnight in Paris. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and I really wanted to like this. It, and, you know, it's, it's alright. It's not, it's not a dreadful film by any, by any stretch of the imagination. But I just couldn't buy into the, the, the alleged chemistry between Colin Firth and, and I keep wanting to call her Gwen Stacy now. I can't <laughs> <laughs> Emma Stone, yes. I couldn't buy into the chemistry. It just wasn't there. And, and unfortunately, the, the, the last kind of, the final third of the film relies on, on that chemistry being there to actually kind of move the, the plot in the direction that it goes. And it just doesn't work. And it's a real shame because up until then, it, it, it's beautifully shot. You know, there's quite a few, there's a couple of comedy moments in there, there's some pithy dialogue, you know, it's, it's pretty much, it's pretty much fine. And then it kind of just takes a no, massive nosedive off a cliff for me. Um, it's obviously unfair to compare it to earlier Woody Allen films, like Manhattan and everything. And I don't think people do anymore because he's just been so prolific since then. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's basically like having another director. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it didn't really work in the in the last part for me, which is a real shame because up until then I was quite enjoying it. Okay. Did you see Blue Jasmine last year? No, I haven't seen Blue Jasmine. Okay, that was but, good. Yeah, was I, really good I hear one. that was really good. As, as I said, I love Midnight in Paris, so it's not as if I'm against yeah. uh, new Woody Allen films at all. Um, but yeah, this it, yeah just didn't work. Okay, uh, so that's all there for our new releases, and almost all for this week's podcast. Uh, before we go, we've got some recommendations for you. Uh, my one is on a bit of a tricky time, so uh, you might want to set your Sky Plus box. Other recording devices and methods are <laughs> available. Uh, it's Monday at one forty in the morning on Film 4, and it's Copland, starring uh, Sylvester Stallone and Robert De Niro, among others. Uh, definitely worth a watch. Uh, yeah, Owen. good film. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I'm picking um, also a cop film, but uh, End of Watch on Channel 4 on Saturday at quarter past nine, um, which stars um, Jake Gyllenhaal and someone else whose name I can't remember. <laughs> Michael Penner. 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 Penner, that's him. Yes. Penner, yeah. Um, which was quite a good sort of paint footage-ish type buddy cop-ish type movie. <laughs> um, yeah, worth a watch. It's quite good. I think we talked about it on the podcast. Um, it was one of we our did, main we reviews. Did, we, so. we, yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah. Um, Seems Which we, we yeah. all enjoyed, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Carol? Um, I'm recommending one that isn't actually on TV this week. I'm going to recommend that everyone who likes... Uh, vampires or whimsical comedy or Jim Jarmusch goes and watches Only Lovers Left Alive um, it's out on DVD and Blu-ray and I think it's also on the BFI player um, on their website if you want to stream it and it's just it's just hilarious I absolutely love saw it at the London Film Festival last year and I really really enjoyed it and I'm definitely going to be watching it again at some point okay so yes that is all for uh, this week's podcast well, can I just uh, say something as well before we finish um, yeah. No. <laughs> if people like like the recommendations that we make, or you want to ask us a question about them, just tweet us direct. Because we had a guy called Neil who was at Flippier seventy nine this week who tweeted and asked what the the site we recommended last week was, which was Mubi, or the week before that I think. 
just if you want, just talk to us about it. We're more than happy to sort of take comments and retweet them and, you know, even talk about them on here. So, yeah, just let us know. We're happy t- t- to listen to you. Yes, <laughs> yes with, with, without you, we wouldn't be here. Well, we would, but we'd be talking to ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes. No one wants to do that. Well, we will be back next week, whether you're here or not. Uh, new releases look like The Equalizer, I Origins, and Maps of the Stars. I know literally nothing about any of those films. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. Uh, thanks to everyone who's listened this week and contributed anyway. You can go over to the website www.failcritics.com, see all the articles going up on a regular basis, uh, and join us next week for the podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.